Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Anyone that wants has free and open and direct access to God. I can walk boldly into His presence. Now listen, that means when I go to God, I never go through a priest, a pope, a pastor, a minister, a holy woman. I go directly through Jesus Christ to God. Many people are quick to claim themselves as Christians. They will readily proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God, but that declaration has never actually reached their heart. Too many churchgoers are quick to involve themselves in outreaches or small groups, all while neglecting their hearts. It was the whole reason we were created, to have a heart to know and serve God. But as we'll hear from Pastor Mark today, there is a danger in leaving that void empty for too long. Jesus continuously calls to your heart for you to follow him. He is long-suffering, patiently waiting. But the more you put him off, the more closed off your heart will become. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verse 37, with the conclusion of our message entitled, Open Access. Come on in. cross says, not on your best day would you ever be good enough. So Jesus Christ had to come. Our sins nailed him to the cross. Now there was an intermediate consequence that's pictured by the second word that I have for you this morning called barrier. Sin separates man from a holy God. So sin not only causes death, but it's a barrier. It's a wall between God and man. Every person is born, as I already told you, spiritually dead. If you're here this morning, never accepted Jesus Christ, you're spiritually separated from God. The former relationship with God that was there in the Garden of Eden was destroyed by sin. So on the cross, Jesus was bearing the judgment of God on sin. For the very first time, that's why Jesus yells out, God, why have you forsaken me? It's because sin always separates. God's holiness caused him to disassociate himself with sin, which was upon Jesus Christ. That was the agony. Yes, the physical thing was part of it. But the spiritual part was that only that Jesus could do. You and I couldn't have experienced it because we're not perfect to start with. We couldn't have done any good on the cross. Only God, Son, did that. Now we have another picture, interestingly, of separation. Not only does our sin separate us from God, but there's a wonderful picture of God's holiness and man's sin in the Old Testament. When God dispelled Adam and Eve from the garden, it wasn't long before he called a nation to himself called the nation of Israel. And he instituted later on something called the tabernacle, which later became a temple. And we had two of those. There's going to be a third one we'll study when we go through the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. Now in this tabernacle or temple was a place that an unholy man and woman could go and offer sacrifices to a holy God. It was a place where you could find forgiveness. And remember this. 
God had already instituted, even in the garden, when he, when he provided skins for Adam and, Eve, Adam and Eve, the way to get your sin removed was one way, through the shedding of blood. Innocent animals. Their blood was shed. Hebrews tells us, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Now you say, well, why did God make it that way? I have no idea, except basically, life is in the blood. So, sacrifice was a part of forgiveness. Now, what would happen in this particular tabernacle or temple was basically this. Let me give you a little picture. In the front, we had a courtyard for Gentiles. Gentiles could come in. That's as far as they could go. Then we had the court of the women. Then we'd have different courts back here with the men. Then we had a, we had a curtain. Then we had the, the most holy place. We had the holy place and the most holy place. And you might know the name of most holy place by the holies of holy. Now, in that holies of holies... Behind this curtain, this huge curtain, and I'll tell you about it in a moment, the presence of God dwelt. No one could go in. See, it's hard for us because we're here in church and say, what's the big deal? In God's presence, this is different today. In the Old Testament day, no one could approach a holy God. You had sin, even your sacrifice. All it did in the Old Testament was cover your sin, kofar. It just covered it. They were looking forward to the day when the perfect sacrifice is coming. We'll talk about that this morning. So there was only one person that could go in and present your sins, our sins as a group of people, to God once a year on the Day of Atonement. That was the high priest. And he went in before a holy God, trembling, because if his sacrifice hadn't been accepted, God would kill him. Because God's holiness cannot look on sin. So this separated the average person, you and I, from ever seeing a holy God. Now this curtain acted as a barrier. Sin separates. If this morning you're not a Christian, your sin has separated you from a holy God. He wants to redeem you, but your sin separates. Now this curtain was 60 feet long, 30 feet wide, had the thickness of a man's hand. In the Old Testament days, we know this, it took 300 priests to move it. Now that's a barrier. That's a barrier. A holy God was unapproachable by man because of man's sins. A holy God was unapproachable by man because of man's sins. Now in verse 35 and 36, we see an interesting, some more mockery. When some of those standing near heard them say this, God, why have you forsaken me? They said, listen, he's calling for Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, and put in a stick and offered to Jesus a drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. You see, in those days, many of the Jewish people had a popular belief, wasn't true, but they had a popular belief that Elijah would come when you were in times of distress. And he would actually deliver you from whatever your problem was. So when Jesus said, my God, well, they just laughed. And what they're trying to do is just mock at Jesus some more. They want him to drink this vinegar to last longer so he can be on the cross more and they can make more fun of him. And we come to the third word that we're talking about this morning. It's called payment. Payment. Christ paid for our sins. In verse 37, it says, With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Remember we told you the wages of sin is death. And Jesus physically dies. He has the sins of the world placed on him. The penalty of sin is death. Jesus bore the penalty of sin for you and for me. Now John 19.30, you don't have to go there, adds this. In that statement, Jesus says this. As he's saying these last words, he says this. It is finished. Now what does it is finished mean? 
It means completed. It means end. It means done, finalized. What was Jesus saying? Here was what he was saying. From the foundation of the world, Jesus had been predicted to come to be the Savior for mankind. So what he says when he dies on the cross, with all of our sins on him during those three hours, placed on him, God's judgment on him, here's what Jesus says. My mission is fulfilled. The payment is made. If you ever made a payment like to your house or to a car, and you go, last payment, I finally made the last payment. This is what Jesus was saying. Man no longer has any responsibility for forgiveness of sins other than one thing, and I'll tell you about at the end. The penalty has been paid. The payment is in full. The last sacrifice. Jesus' death completed redemption for man's sins. Sin's penalty was paid in full. Our sin debt was cleared. Our sins were forgiven. Our bondage was broken. And we were set free from the penalty of sin and its power. I'll repeat that. Our sin's debt was cleared. Our sins were forgiven. Our bondage was broken. And the power of sin has been destroyed. You no longer, that's what Romans 6, 7, and 8 are about. You no longer have to say, I have to give in to this nature in me, this old nature in me. No, you don't. You can say no through the power of God, through those times of temptation. And we approach a verse I love. It represents freedom, which is our fourth word. All can approach a holy God. Let's look at verse 38 together. Then the curtain of the temple was torn in two from bottom to top. What do you think about that? Top to bottom, does it make any difference? Why should it make any difference as long as it's torn? Let's read it again. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Why didn't when Jesus died, why didn't God get on his cell phone and call the priests that were in the in the city at, at the temple. And he said, uh, Jesus died now. Get your scissors and start cutting that barrier, man. Just, just cut it right up and remove it because Jesus has eliminated the need for any more sacrifices. Why didn't God call them? Would they have done it? No, they didn't believe in Jesus. Number one, they wouldn't have done it. What if they would have done it? Then we have man doing what? Now we have religion. Man trying to reach God by good works. See, God wouldn't do that. What he did is he went and he just from the, the minute Jesus died, by the way, the tearing of the curtain, Hebrews tells us is a picture of what happened to Jesus' body. When that body of Jesus, Jesus finally said, I give you my spirit. They didn't take your life from him. He gave it up. He died early. He gave it up. And the curtain was ripped from top to bottom. It was God's hand that did it. See, salvation is God's work. It's not man's work. You can't be good enough. Man says, I want to be good enough. I'm going to give. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to take communion. I'm going to be a church member. I'm going to cut this thing. No, God says, I'm going to do it. And it's done. Now, what did that provide for us? Well, let's think about it. It provided for us, the word I use there is freedom. The death of Jesus opened up a way so that every single man, woman, and child could have a relationship with God if, if 
they wanted. So what did this do? God was saying the barrier is gone. The need for animal sacrifices is over. There is a new order. The law has been fulfilled. Grace has come. God's presence, this is an important one. God's presence was always behind this barrier in this little room. Where's God's presence today? All over the world. It's been released to all over the world. We can feel it here. God's presence isn't only in this building. This building isn't holy. It's a piece of metal. Stucco. God's presence is in our hearts. And the last thing was this. Man had a new and living way of free and direct access to God. By the way, you can find that in Hebrews chapter 10. Any person, because of this now, because of Jesus' death, any person can have free and direct access to all loving God. Any person can come boldly to find grace and mercy, forgiveness from God. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Think about it. And I want you to listen. Don't miss it. Before, we had the court of the Gentiles. If you were Gentiles, that's how far you could go. Then women. Then men. Then priests. Then the high priests. A hierarchy. When the temple curtain was ripped from top to bottom, what does it say? Listen. It says this. Anyone that once has free and open and direct access to God. I can walk boldly into His presence. Now listen, that means when I go to God, I never go through a priest, a pope, a pastor, a minister, a holy woman. I go directly through Jesus Christ to God. Do you know that the world doesn't understand that this morning? Now, I'm not making fun of priests or pastors. I are one. I'm not making fun of that. What I'm trying to say to you this, I'm the same as you. I go to God directly through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ paid for it. I didn't pay for your sin so you could go access God and have a relationship with Him. Neither did a priest or a pope or anybody in any pastor. No one paid for it but Jesus Christ. And so what do I have this morning? Man, I have free access to God. Does that excite you or not? I mean, you have access to God. Boldly, I can go to God because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, the problem we come with is the word free. Free access to God. Whenever you hear the word free, if you've been smart at all or been burned at all, you hear the word free and you go, yeah, sure, it's free. (laughs) How, How many relate to this? You're at home and it's dinner and the phone rings. How many relate to that already? Okay. Well, next thing is happening. You get up and get the phone, and, and you're, you hello? And you don't hear anything. There's this pause. Then you hear this little click, and you go, okay, here we go. And they say, and Mr. and Mrs. Bomber there, please. And what is your normal response when you hear that? Yeah, don't call me and try that, because you'll hear my response. Yes, what do you want? Well, we have this uh, free money in the bank. No, thank you. Boom. Now, why do they keep calling? Because some of you idiots keep answering and saying, yes, give me it. Cut it out. They won't call anymore. Is that right? That's right. I'm an idiot too. Whatever. So when we hear the word free, we go, what's the hooker here? Free relationship with God? Sure. How much is this going to cost me? Well, it's going to cost you church membership, tithing. That's religion. What's it going to cost you? It's going to cost you one thing. It's going to cost you your heart. So you have to give your will to God. The only string to salvation is this. You promise to follow God. See, many people come to God. 
They go through a form. They come to our services. They come to Billy Graham. They come to Greg Laurie's. They come down to the altar. They accept Jesus Christ. They leave. They think they got salvation. They never follow Jesus Christ. My friend, you're lost. You're headed to hell. The book of Matthew says on that day, people can stand before God and say, well, didn't we do this? Didn't we give money? Didn't we? And God said, yeah, you did it all. But you never knew my son, Jesus Christ. You see, that's the deception that Satan... And the greatest tool of deception that Satan has is religion. And our world is filled with it. Next Sunday, religion will ooze from our churches. But it's oozing from the pit of hell. Because many of those well-meaning people are deceived. The last thing we come to this morning is found in verse 39. I love it. It says this. Now when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. What does that mean? Well, during Jesus' crucifixion, there were Roman centurions there to make sure that because they'd heard all the ruckus, that nothing took place. This would be a Gentile soldier. And a Gentile in those days was a pagan who believed in many gods. So what is he saying there? What was his statement? This was the Son of God. Was that a statement of confession? Did, did he really know him as? We don't know. But think about what happened. Why would he even say these words to a person that was supposed to be a common criminal? Well, when he stood there for those six hours, what did he hear? Well, he heard one thing that was this. Father, as those people were spitting on him and hitting him, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, that's unusual for somebody being crucified to do that. That caught his attention. Secondly, he heard those two thieves, no doubt, talking to Jesus, beginning to mock him, and finally one of the thieves later on said, Whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, you are the Son of God. Remember me today in paradise. Jesus said, you'll be with me. Cool. You got it. You made the right choice. He heard that. He saw the change of the man on the cross. He also, starting at noon, began to think, what's this darkness? For three hours, there was darkness. And one of the other Gospels tells us when the darkness came, all of a sudden, it's like living in California. Earthquake came. Now, if you're there, you're thinking, hmm, 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 hmm. Hmm. Something has to be changing here, aren't you? That's what you're thinking. Here's the last thing. I believe when he saw that Jesus died like that, he'd seen many people crucified. Remember, I told you it takes two to three days usually. See, Jesus didn't die of his wounds. He died of a broken heart. He gave his spirit willingly to God. We don't know whether this young man was a true confession or not, but here's the danger of what you just see with this young man. There are many people who come into church, and you'll say to them, Are you a Christian? Well, sure, I'm a Christian. And look at the statement. Jesus was the Son of God. They'll say that. They mean that. Historically, they mean it. But it's never reached their heart. You see, there's one more barrier that's left. I don't know whether this young man made it, but there's one more barrier. The real reason I believe that's there, it's a picture of this. This soldier was Gentile. Religion up to that time mostly was for who? The Jews. 
And so I believe Mark puts it in there as a snapshot. By the way, if most of us here this morning aren't Gentile, and what he's saying that all can come. That includes you, and that includes me, because most of us are Gentile. Here's the last barrier. When you were created, God created you with a heart to know him. It's not this physical thing beaten in our chest. It's a spiritual area. And until you find God, there's a void. There's an emptiness. You don't know. You're struggling to find God because you know there must be some sense to this crazy world. And the last barrier, this barrier came down. But there's one barrier left. During your time of living, there are a number of times when God comes to you. By the way, don't make the mistake this morning of saying, I'll become a Christian when I'm ready. Not a chance. The Bible tells us that God comes to you. And he only comes X amount of times. I don't know how many. But he's gracious and he's long-suffering and he doesn't want anybody to perish. So during your life, you'll hear this. Now you won't hear that like that, but you'll hear it in here. Some of you are even hearing it this morning. And God's saying to you, what you've heard today is true. Your sin is separating you from me. If you don't accept me into your heart, you're going to die and you're going to be eternally lost. I don't want that. So Jesus stands at the only barrier left. And the barrier is your heart. You say, well, why doesn't he just open the door and come on in? He's powerful. Choice. Here's four things you have to do if you want God in your heart. Four things. You have to recognize that you're a sinner. You can't this morning say, well, I've goofed a few times in my life. Forget it. God isn't even interested. Secondly, you have to recognize, as we already said this morning, that Jesus Christ died for you. For you. For your sins. Thirdly, you have to repent of your sins. And this is where the hooker is. See, if you come and make a profession, and some of you have done that before, and you go back and you live your life exactly like you did before, forget it. Repentance means this. I'm walking this way, away from God, doing my own thing. Repentance means this, turning around and beginning to walk after God. Now, you can't do that on yourself. That does not mean being religious. That means that you're sorry for your sin. Not sorry that you got caught. But sorry because you know if your sins aren't forgiven, the other thief on the cross died and went to hell. The other thief made a wise choice. And the last one is this. He received Jesus. So what you have to do this morning, you have to open your heart and say, Jesus Christ, I accept your work on the cross for me. Now here's the other thing you have to do. I believe you have to do it today. You say, why today? Because the scripture says, today is the day of salvation. When God knocks on your heart, don't waste the time. Why would you want to wait one more day without Jesus Christ? I mean, my friends, life is, and it's gone. So you don't want to end without Jesus. And why would you want to live one more day without Jesus? If you choose to reject Jesus Christ, you will do these two things. You will be miserable the rest of your life. You'll be empty, lonely, guilty, and you're going to be afraid of death. Oh, I'm not afraid of death. Oh, yes, you will be. Why wait to the time of your death, even if you get that opportunity? Today is the day of salvation. In today's message from Mark chapter 15, Jesus has surrendered his life on the cross. The penalty for our sins was paid in full. As Pastor Mark mentioned, there are no longer any barriers between us and God, lest we put them there. 
No one else can seek forgiveness on our behalf because there was only one who gave his life so that we could have it. As we just heard, the final barrier is our heart, and it's our choice. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll see the motives of the Jewish leaders and why they were so bent on seeing Jesus condemned to death. But there will be some resistance by the leaders and government to sentence him, since Jesus had done nothing wrong. Jesus knows his death on the cross will come to pass as the fulfillment of many prophecies. His response to the accusations will be surprising. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ball of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us next time here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.